0: Again, welcome to Alive. Good morning. My name is Eric, and my wife Eric and I, we're the lead pastors here at Alive, and we're so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us this morning. And we're, week, we're in week two of our Stupid series. We talked about this last week, but there's, there's moments in our life that are stupid, right? S-T-U-P-I-D. But then there's other moments and there's other occurrences in our life that are just stupid, all right? So everybody say stupid. All right. And if you're here and you got young kids and you're like, we don't use that word in our house, we don't either. All right. Uh, We're not calling anybody stupid in this series. Stupid is what we do. Stupid is not who we are. I talked about that last week. Amen. And so, but we can poke fun at some of that and we can also just be real in life that no one's perfect. We all miss it. We all make mistakes. We all need God's help and God's grace in our life, and every time I hear the word stupid and I'm reminiscing of stupid moments in my life, I keep going back to my childhood. Now, if you guys were here with me last week, you, you learned about my hand, no-handle bike jump story, right, and if you missed that one, you can go back and listen to that, uh, but around that same season in my life, you know, I grew up here about two minutes down the road uh, in Shenandoah subdivision off Old 23 here, and uh, it was one day in the summer. Uh, I was over at my best friend Jeremy's house, all right? It was probably me and my brother Matt and a couple other of the neighborhood boys, and we were swimming in Jeremy's pool because that's what we did on any hot summer day, right? And so we're having a good time in the pool, and we're hanging out, and then you guys have probably experienced this yourself. You know those summer thunderstorms are just rolling out of nowhere? You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's beautiful, the birds are chirping, the sun's out, and it's all of a sudden... Like dark clouds just start barreling in, the wind starts swirling, right? Thunder and lightning, all that stuff, that's what happened. And so Jeremy's mom comes out and say, hey, get your butt out of the pool, you know what I'm saying? Like it's probably a smart thing to do with lightning. And so we, uh, we're bummed and we get out of the pool and we kind of walk around to his garage and we're just kind of trying to wait out this storm because we've been there before where it blows through real quick and we're right back in the pool in like 20 minutes, right? So we're, we're sitting there, sopping wet, dripping in our swimsuits, bored out of our gourd, and I don't know whose idea it was, but like, hey, somebody had the great idea. Let's uh, dare everybody to run out in the storm and do a lap around the house or around the yard, right? And so everyone says like, stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. I know. But we're bored. So we did it, and, you know, no one died. No one got struck by lightning and all that stuff. We're like, ha cool. So we get back in the garage. We're like, that's awesome. And then somebody had another idea. Why don't somebody grab a golf club and run around the house in the yard in a lightning storm? And I don't know why I was thinking, again, you know, males develop later in life, right? Women, right? Are, it's not fully there, right? And I'm like 9, 10, a, nine, 10 a years old. And I decide to grab a nine iron out of Jeremy's dad's golf bag. That's right, a nice long conductor of electricity in my hands. And I proceed to run out of the garage and wave this nine iron over my head, screaming like a warrior, ah! right, as I'm trying to pre- impress my neighborhood friends. Everyone say, that's stupid. It was stupid, right? Now, thankfully, no one got hurt, and no one was electrocuted in the process, but we all, the crazy thing about stupid is we all do it. We all, my mom's sitting second row, she's like, I didn't know that story. I'm going to talk to you. Yeah, we did some stupid stuff at Jeremy's house, my goodness. Um, The crazy thing about stupid is we all do it. We all miss the mark. We we all make mistakes. We've all blown it in different seasons and different areas of our life. This even creeps in. It happens in our relationship with God, in our pursuit of God, in pursuit of honoring God and living according to his life. We, we miss it sometimes. We miss the mark, right? We talked about that. And, and the crazy thing about all of this and the stupid that happens in our life is, despite our stupid, God still loves us. And stupid doesn't disqualify us from God's love. It doesn't disqualify you and I from his mercy, from his grace, from his forgiveness and from, from the opportunity and the chance that he can still use us and do great things in us and through our lives. And so in this series, we're taking a deeper look at some Bible characters that have done some stupid and what we can learn from their example. And before I get into today, today's um, uh, character, just a quick recap last week. Last week, we looked at the life of David right and we looked at the stupid decision that he made with another man's wife bathsheba right we saw that in second samuel chapter 11 and we could have just stopped there and put that label on david and said man you're broke you're washed up you blew it god can't use you at all right but 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 god amen but god and we looked to psalm 51 and we saw david's response from his heart how he got his heart right and heart back on track with the lord right And if you missed that message, man, there's hope for all of us in that. And if you're new to Alive, we we post our messages weekly. Uh, You can go back on YouTube and watch it about about Tuesday or Wednesday on uh, Apple Music and Spotify. The audio podcast will be there for you if you're driving to work or on a work break or whatnot. Sometimes it's good to go back over the word. I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that because I don't have time to go back into that. But we saw God's beautiful display of grace, mercy, and forgiveness in David's life. A man who screwed up and did so much stupid, yet is still known and has a legacy of a man after God's own heart. Come on, somebody. And if God could do it for David, how many of you guys know he can do it in your life, too? Amen? And so today, though, we're going to flip the script. We're going to look at another Bible character by the name of Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul. Formerly known as Saul. Everybody say Saul. So we're talking about Saul and Paul interchangeably. We're not talking about Saul, the other wicked king that chased David last week. That's not the Saul we're talking about. We're talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul, right? And um, Paul has a past. Go figure, <laughs> right? Paul did some really bad, stupid, mean things in his past, and just like you and I, we've done some stuff as well, and so we can learn from Paul's example, and oftentimes, here's what I found. Maybe, maybe you found this true in your own life. I think oftentimes we allow the problems and the mess-ups, and the mistakes, and the stupid in our life to keep us away from God to or to short-circuit or disqualify ourselves before we even start that God can never use me because I did fill in the blank. God can never do great things in you because of what you look at during the week. God can never do that because what you said to that person or what you did to that child or what you did in that individual, and, and I'm, just, I'm just washed up, right? I think the enemy comes in in our moments of stupid, and he puts labels on us and he speaks lies to us about our potential in the Lord. And so Paul is a great example of how to break free from this. Because those lies, guys, they're simply not true. God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And, and, and what we need to do is learn how to... F- Break through that stupid, break through that mistake, break through our past in order to fulfill God's plan for our life. So Paul's going to help us with that today. I'm really, really excited to share with you guys in a, in a message I've titled, The Problem of the Past. We're going to talk about the problem of the past when the past is a problem in our life currently because of what we did here and how to get through that through the example of Paul. I believe God's going to help us with that. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from God's word this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your presence and your power at work in our lives. We thank you that you're here today. Holy Spirit, use the word of God to quicken to our heart, Lord, truth, hope, life, faith, victory. Lord, give us the strength to overcome some of our past, to look past the past and to move forward in all the great things you have for us today. As we look to your word, let the example of Paul encourage us today. That, Lord, if you do great things for him and you did them for him, you can do them for us. Father, we lean into everything you have in store for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed said, amen. So we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's story. Because I believe God wants to minister to each and every one of us through the Apostle Paul. Now, some of you might be like, wait, hold on. The Apostle Paul? Like, like the dude that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? The guy that went on four missionary journeys? The God that planted a bunch of life-giving churches and discipled a bunch of people. He was used mightily by God. That Paul? How could we relate to him? He was used mightily of God, right? He did amazing things. That's the Paul we're going to talk about today. Because if you're not familiar with Paul's story, before he was Paul, he was first Saul. Saul of Tarshish. An absolute terror to the early church and early Christians. Paul did many horrible things, right? And we have a few on record here in the Word of God, in the Bible, that I want to point out. Many of you guys are familiar with this, but Paul was uh, consenting of the 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 first martyr of the Christian church, Stephen. He was consenting at his death. We see that in Acts chapter 7, verses 58 through 60. It says, And they cast him, Stephen, out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's Paul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And then in verse 1 of chapter 8, it goes on and says, Now Paul was consenting to his death. At the time of a great persecution arose out against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So Paul, Paul said, Go ahead. Kill that Christian. I, we don't need him. I don't like what he's talking about. I don't like this way that he's talking about, this Jesus. And he consented to the death of Stephen. Everybody say, that's stupid. All right? That's bad. Then he goes on and, and he made it his business, Saul did, Paul, to destroy the church, right? And, and, and basically go door to door in Jerusalem looking for people uh, that followed Jesus so that he could throw them in prison. We see this in Acts chapter 8, verse 3. It says, as for Saul, he made havoc, of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. How many of you guys can clearly see through two passages of scripture that Paul's got some issues, amen? He's got some junk in his baggage, he's got a past, he's got some stupid in his past, right? And his past is a problem, right? It doesn't sound like a mighty man of God to us, this doesn't sound like the resume of, man, this guy could really be used by the Lord mightily, does it, Right? So maybe you find yourself here today and you find yourself in one of two categories. I just want to speak to these in advance. Maybe number one, you wonder, like many of us, how could God use someone like Paul so mightily with a past like that, right? I think a lot of us might find ourselves in that boat. But number two, you might be here looking for hope. You might be searching for answers. You might be uh, pursuing Jesus or wondering what a relationship with God personally actually looks like. And you're here and you're like, I wonder if God could ever use me in my messed up life. I wonder if God could ever use me because of the stupid he knows that I did in my past. Right? And, and so I think we can loc- our, locate ourselves, right? I wonder if God could ever use me even though I'm caught up in this addiction that I haven't been able to break in years. I wonder if God could use me because of my anger. I let the anger get the best of me and I said some things or I did some things to some people I love that hurt them very badly. I, I, wonder, I wonder if God you know, could look past that one night in college, or shoot, that whole four-year season of my life that I would just like to blank out of my life, or some of those decisions I made in my early adult years as I was getting my family started. You could fill in. We could talk for hours the stories. Life happens. We're human. We miss it. We do stupid things, but that doesn't disqualify us from God's love, and so man, there's hope in Christ, and so for the remainder of our time together, I just want to look at Paul's story a little bit, and and I want to help um, all of us just look and see his example to really help us overcome the problem of the past. I believe the problem of the past does not need to remain a problem after today if we respond correctly to the Lord. Amen? You guys ready for this? So number one is going to be really elementary yet super profound and life-changing and basic, but we have to start here in Paul's story. Number one, how can we move past the problem of the past? Number one, make Jesus Lord. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. You're like, okay, I'm a Christian. This is so basic. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Because when you make Jesus Lord, how many of you guys know it changes everything? It changes everything. We got to look at Paul's, Saul's conversion, Saul to Paul. Check this out. In Acts chapter 9, we get a glimpse of what happened in Saul or Paul's life. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and he asked him for letters uh, from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he, if he found any that were of the way or practicing Christianity, uh, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, might throw them in prison. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Verse 6, so he said, trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's a great question we could ask in our lives. Amen. Lord, what do you want me to do about this? And the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. And then they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. So, man, I love, I love the rawness, and I love the realness of this story. Did you catch that first detail in Acts chapter 9, verse 1? It said, Paul was still breathing threats against Christians. While he was still in his stupid, while he was still making a havoc for Christians all around, he met Jesus. Did you catch that? Paul had an encounter with Jesus. And not just an encounter, Okay, I think that was God, and he went on his way. He experienced Jesus, and he called him Lord. Two times. The first time, it ended with a question mark. The second time, it ended with a period. So the first time, Lord, is that you? He's questioning, is this the Jesus that these Christians have been practicing called the way? And then the second time he says, Lord, he says, Lord, what would you want me to do? Now, that may not look like our traditional altar call type service moment, right? Well, did he really pray the prayer? Did you lead him through this or whatever? Somewhere in the midst of that moment in that dialogue with Jesus, Paul got real smart. He said, Jesus, you are going to be Lord of my life. You're going to become leader of my life. You're going to call the shots in my life. He hadn't been doing that up until that point, right? Right? This is huge. This is a game changer. And this is the most important thing that you and I can ever do if we want to move past our past into the future that God has for us. Because I mentioned this last week, but I think it's worth repeating. Don't put a period where God wants to put a comma in your life. Don't put a period when God's not done writing his story in your life. Many times we say, I was doing great, and then I, oh, period, the end. Loser, can't be used for God, that's it. We do that. Man does that. But God doesn't write stories like that. He's the best storyteller. Amen? He he loves the twist, the plot twist. He loves to take broken people and put them back on their feet. He loves to take angry people and make them kind. He loves to take sinful people and make them people that follow the way of Jesus. His power can only do that, and it all comes from a personal relationship with Jesus. Newsflash for you. Your problem, your stupid, is not a problem for God. It's not too big for God, amen? That is good news on a Sunday morning. When Jesus is put in his proper place in our life, God can take a period and he can make it a comma and go on and write the best chapter that is yet to be written in our lives, amen? That is so our God and that is so his character. But the flip side is true too. When we don't make Jesus Lord, when we just kind of keep doing our thing and keep falling flat on our face, we're, we're going in the wrong direction And there really isn't much hope to move past or past because we'll keep repeating it if we don't have a change agent in our life. Jesus is that change agent, amen? But God, someone say, but God. God. I love what it says in Romans chapter five, verse eight, that speaks right to our condition. It says this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we're still in our stupid, while we're still doing the, broke stuff that we never got us the results anyways. While we're still in our mess, Christ died for us. Whew, just let the word do some heavy lifting in your life right now. I don't need to preach much on that. While we were still yet in our sin, Jesus chose you. He chose me. He chose all of us, right? While Paul was still breathing threats and trying to murder Christians, Jesus died for him, right? While you're still addicted to that drink, or that drug, or that unhealthy, ungodly relationship, Jesus died for you. While you still got anger issues, and you like to fly off your handle, and all sorts of choice words like to come out of your mouth, Jesus still died for you. Come on. While you're still here, and you're dealing with fear, and anxiety, and depression, and it keeps you away from everything that God has called you to be, Jesus died for you. Come on. While you still want nothing to do with God, you ain't down with Jesus yet. You're getting, you're that you got, you're on drugs. You got drugged to church this morning. You know what I'm saying? You're like, "Why am I here? What's going on?" Jesus died for you. Come on, somebody. And God put His love on display for all of us to see through His Son Jesus, through the death of His Son Jesus on the cross. You see, here's the important thing: we have to remind ourselves, God already did everything He's going to do about our stupid. He already did everything He's going to do about our sin problem his name is Jesus, and he already went to the cross. He doesn't have to go again. He did it once for all, so that those who call upon him as Lord can be made right. And so we have a decision to make. Are we going to let him in, or we're going to keep boxing him out? What's the result when we let him in? Man, when we let Jesus in, we get a change of direction. Our past gets a pardon. Our stupid gets a chance to be forgiven. Amen? We get a new, fresh slate with Jesus. Come on, somebody. And the important thing is, and I'm always wrecked as the Lord reminds me of this every single time in my life, the only difference between us and somebody who would be considered lost in the Bible is Jesus. The only difference between me and you and maybe somebody who's not at church right now and they're still a little... We got some headaches from their activity last night and seen a little unclear and mad at the world. The only difference is Jesus. The only difference between who I am now and some 19-year-old cocky, selfless, selfish, pornography-addicted basketball worshiper is a man named Jesus. Come on, I'm so grateful and thankful for the grace of God and Jesus in my life. I would not be who I am today. Many of us would not be who we are today in doing the things we're called to do today without Jesus. Someone say, Jesus. So I had to start with that. I know that's like, man, you usually end with that. Let's all do an altar call. Let's go. But, like, come on. If we don't put Jesus in his proper place, none of this else matters. Amen? The most powerful way to overcome the problem of your past is to insert Jesus into your life. Amen? Amen? Paul, Saul did it, and man, he became a different person, but the remaining two things that I really want to talk about today are are more of a perspective shift for many of us when it comes to two areas. The second thing I want to talk about is number two, God can use others despite their past. God can use others despite their past, right? Let's, let's look back at Paul's example, right? So Saul, he's persecuted, he's, helped, he's, he's persecuting Christians, he's helping murder Christians, yet God still has a plan for his life. And so he, he makes Jesus Lord, he's blinded, he's sent to the house, he's, he's blind, and, and God moves on a heart of a man named Ananias. So let's take a look at Ananias. He's a disciple. He, 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 uh, he's sent to Saul, Paul, so that he might receive his sight and go on and do what he needs to do. And check out, we have a little dialogue here with Ananias and the Lord in, in, in Acts chapter 9, verses 13-15. through 15. It says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, Saul. I've heard about him. How much, he har- how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. You see the tension here in, in scripture? Ananias is like, God, are you sure about this cat named Saul? Did you Did you do a background check on him? <laughs> he, he's killing Christians. You want me to go into the same room with this man and lay hands on him and pray. All right, I think you got it mixed up. And God's like, yes, yes, I do. He is my chosen vessel. Let's take a look at another. The other Christians weren't digging either. The other disciples at Jerusalem, check this out. Acts chapter nine, verse twenty six. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. He was like, yo, I'm one of you now. I'm ho. And they're like, whoa. Look, check this out. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Notice the other believer's response to Saul or Paul. They placed judgment on him because of his past. They couldn't get past his stupid. They didn't believe that Jesus was really his Lord. How could that happen so quickly? And how could God begin to use somebody like him? Caught up in the lifestyle that he did, right? And and man, they're like, heck no! Paul ain't coming into our fold. He was killing Christians. No way! This guy has done so much wickedness and so much evil. How could God ever use a person like Paul but God? Said, what did he say? We we just looked at it in the word. He's my chosen, he's one of my chosen vessels to preach my name. Man, and guess what? Paul goes on to do exactly that, what God intended for him. We would not be here today, and the church would not look like it does today without Paul, without his faith, without his courage, without his boldness, without his tenacity to push through adversity to look past people's uh, facade and their outward, and and to go to everybody who God called him to go to, even when it was uncomfortable from his own background. We are here today. His letters, two-thirds of the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul, written by the Holy Spirit, penned by Paul, though. Wow, the church plants, the, the kingdom impact Of a man named Paul's life, and here's what I'm so excited about. One of us, all of us, many of us could be the next Paul in our generation if we just give God a chance. Come on, somebody. If we just let God in. You see, here's what we learned from Paul's example you're never too far gone for God to reach you, (laughs) you're never too deep in darkness for God to reach out and pluck you out of that situation. You've never done too much bad that it's like you can't be forgiven. Right? He could be forgiven, she could, okay, yeah, but that, sorry, no forgiveness for you in heaven. No, that's not what my Bible says. That's not what the Word of God says. No amount of stupid can keep you from the love of God, right? And Paul says it out of his own mouth in Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39. I love this too. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or or things present or things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your past is not too hard to overcome for God. I hope you're getting it clear this morning. Father, help us move past our past because, God, you love to move past it and you love to do new things. Amen? And throughout God's word, guys, we see proof of this. This is why I love the Bible. The Bible is a real book. And it's full of real flawed humans, just like you and I, that meet a real God. And God can do some amazing things. As you begin to read the Bible, as you begin to dive into it, you begin to learn the stories, you see that God, God begins to move. And he uses flawed people. Moses was a murderer and had an anger problem. Hello. Noah got drunk and slept in the nude. David, last week, he was an adulterer. His son Solomon was a sex addict. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Jonah was basically a modern-day racist. I don't do Ninevites. I don't believe they are worthy to live. They're below me. Elijah got burnt out. The prophet Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Peter rebuked Jesus and even denied knowing him. Thomas, he doubted and he doubted and he doubted. And Paul, formerly known as Saul, persecuted Christians and consented to their murder. How can God use that? He already did. And he ain't done working yet. I love what Paul said out of his mouth, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. How does this work? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Come on, somebody. By the grace of God, we are who we are. We, we shouldn't be where we're at, but because Jesus went ahead, because Jesus paid the price, because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus shed his blood, because Jesus got up out of the grave, because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, we can have what we shouldn't have, and we can be who we shouldn't be because of the grace of God. We are who we are. Amen? God can use others despite their past. And so I'm going to get off this train, but I think it's just really important. This is why we pray that God would help us be a church where people are accepted and loved right where they're at. And not when they only get on board of who they should be. Does that make sense? I've all been a part of congregations and communities like that before, and this isn't a church knock. I'm just saying it's real easy to judge it's real easy to be like those religious leaders and like, say, go clean your life up first, and then you can sit on the second row. You know what I'm saying? Go fix your problem. You got issues. As we have our own issues in our life. Jesus said, take the two by four out of your eye and address the speck in somebody else's first, right? Man, do not pass judgment on this. May we be a church where truly no perfect people are allowed because we're all a work in progress and that we can have a come-as-you-are culture. Come on, where people have space to explore their relationship with God, even if God is real, in the midst of their stupid, a place where they can belong even before they ever believe or behave right away, where they don't have to do it the right way to belong, but they just need to be who they are and let God meet them right where they're at. Come on, somebody. I believe our community deserves an expression of God's church in that manner. Amen? I believe that he is raising up a church of people that love people to Jesus. Come on, somebody. That we all have to be perfect when we come in here, and we can lay our stuff at his altar and get on from the past because all of us have stupid in our past, but the difference, again, between some of us and somebody out there is Jesus. Come on. I don't know. That sounds like fun to be a part of a church like that. Amen? I think we owe it to our community. Let's not be like those early Christians and religious leaders that stiff arm. Here's what I've learned. If there's still breath in somebody's body, there's potential to be used mightily by God. If you're still here and you're still taking up space and you still got oxygen in your lungs, it's not over for you yet. I don't know what someone said over you or what somebody's told you recently or what the thoughts of the enemy have been rolling around in your head as you try to go to sleep at night, but those are lives from the pit of hell. If you've got breath in your lungs and blood in your veins, there is a Jesus in heaven who can do mighty things in and through your life. Look at Paul. And if he did it for Paul, he can do it for us. Amen? Because God can use others despite their past. Amen? That's number two. Number three, real quickly, let's make it personal. Number three, God can use you despite your past. Sometimes we can get really excited about number two. Yeah, he can use others. Yeah, that's cool. God can use you. Sometimes this one's harder to swallow because of that thing you did or the thing that's been done to you or the guilt or the shame that you've been carrying all your life because of that circumstance or that experience or what somebody said over you. Ah, Man, my heart just breaks as I was praying today. I was like, man, there's somebody who just hasn't been able to get past their past because of what the enemy's been jamming you with, the lies. Guys, if God did it for Paul, and if he can do it for others, then he he can do it for you. He can do it for you. He can do it for you and I. The good news is God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. Come on, somebody. He doesn't say, well, I don't know. He looks and goes, whoa, just like he does every person. Oh, my goodness, that is so far from what I created you for. Get on up here. Let me dust you off. Let me help you. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. And here's the deal. His original plan for your life is his eternal plan for your life. God knit you together. He created you on purpose for a purpose. Whether you're running a million miles away from that purpose, whether you kick, scream, and punch against that purpose, whether you want nothing to do with that purpose, doesn't change the fact that God's purpose for you was that. And it still is. And there's still hope. And there's still time. And there's still a chance to get on board what God wants to do in and through your life when we turn to him. But Jesus is the difference. Amen? Jesus is the difference maker. In order to have that comma instead of that period, we have to insert Jesus in our life and and make it a personal relationship. Paul began to say, Lord, who are you? And God began to clean him up. Sometimes it happens radically overnight, but a lot of times it's a process, amen? How many of y'all are in the process right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm raising hands and feet and all that stuff. Lord, I'm in the process of becoming more like you every single day. But man, we get a fresh start and a new slate when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Paul said it out of his mouth. It takes new weight when you realize who penned the words of 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul says, in Christ... I'm no longer a Christian killer. I'm no longer a murderer. I've been made new. You can say, in Christ, my past dies. My stupid is in the past. A new chapter begins with the Lord. I can move forward, not stay stuck in the background. Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says of this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life. I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Jesus died on that cross, you and I, sin, you and I, stupid, died on that cross. Come on, somebody. We don't need to run back to it today. It's good news. God can use you despite your mistakes. Your failure does not have to be fatal in Christ, but you can move forward. That's why they call it the gospel. It's good news. How could we ever receive it? How could we ever deserve it? We don't deserve it, but God did it anyways. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And I feel led to encourage a, a group of people here. Maybe you're here today. And you're like, yeah, that's great for some of these young people and these young families that are coming here, but what about me? You, you would categorize yourself more on the older age of the spectrum, right? And you'd say, yeah, but I'm, I'm close to going to be to heaven and there's probably not much left for me. I don't know if God could use me. I don't know if God could do something in and through my life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. As I was studying this out, I was like, how old was Paul when he got saved? I just, I gotta know this. So Paul was 30 and that kind of still discourages a certain crowd of you guys. <laughs> 30 is young, it's like the new 19, right? It's like, he was 30 but he lived to 60. So when you put it in the context of his whole lifespan, half his life, he was killing Christians. Half his life, he didn't want anything to do with a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here like, man, over half my life, I never knew the truth. I never knew I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. I never knew I could be filled with his spirit. I never knew I could experience victory in my life. Don't let that discourage you. Let Paul's example say, okay, if if Paul could get on board halfway through, I can get on board halfway through. And remember, if there's breath in your lungs, you have purpose on this globe. Amen? There is purpose. You're on the planet. If you got breath and you're taking up space, God has you for a reason. And he wants to use you mightily. So break out of those molds and those age things that we lock ourselves in and say, if I love Jesus And I pray and I follow him. I can can be used by God and do great things in and for him. I really believe it. And so, man, what a powerful story. And what a powerful God we serve. Amen? God loves taking Saul's and turning them into Paul's. Come on, somebody. If you're feeling a little Saul-y today, a little Saul-like, it's time to put on who you are in Christ and become a little Paul-like. You know what I'm saying? Just just put on who you really are, who God says about you. God loves to continue to write new chapters in your life if you let him. For some of you, I get it. This might, this might all be really new to you. Like, oh my gosh, we've been to church like two weekends in a row. Oh, like going to church on Sunday was never a part of your regular routine. Maybe for the first time in your life as you put your faith in Christ, you begin to get the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you're like, never once have I felt that icky feeling in my life and in the pit of my stomach after watching a movie or a show that didn't honor God. But what the heck is that? Or or saying a word that normally comes out of my mouth really freely. All of a sudden it's like, ah, what happened there? And I sure know that a whole bunch of you are like, never in my life have I had a budget line item in my family budget for God to help build his kingdom, to put him first. To allow more people to experience life change. This is new. And I want to encourage you if that's new to you, don't run from it, don't stiff arm it, lean into it. Lean into it and say, God, show me what I've been missing. Show me that good and that blessed life. Help me live a life that honors you. Because the problems of your past are no longer problems when you leave them in the past and you pick up your new life in Jesus. Amen. When you pick it up in Jesus, for some of you, it's time to forget the past. It's to quit, quit, time to quit disqualifying yourself even before you start and do what Paul explains to do in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. I love this. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. What does that mean? It's time to leave the past in the past and it's time for some of us to move forward, amen? Forget about what Saul did. It's time to pick up our new mantle like Paul did and begin to be used by the Lord and let God continue to transform our hearts and change our lives. And we need God's help with that. And so would you, in this moment of ministry time here, I'm not calling anybody up or out. I just want to have a time of prayer where we can just receive from the Lord today. Would you guys close your eyes and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're so encouraged and so challenged at the same time about your immense love and mercy and forgiveness that you extend to us. Lord, we're fallen beings. We're, we're human. We miss it. We've got a whole lot of stupid in our past. But, Lord, I thank you that you're a God who can look past that. You're a God that can reach down in the midst of our darkness, the midst of our despair, the midst of our loneliness, the midst of our hopelessness. And through the power of your Son, Jesus, lift us up out of that dark place and place us on firm ground, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we make you, Lord, that changes everything. And, Lord, if we don't have all of it figured out, that's okay. But if we realize that without you, we cannot do this thing, and we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, you can take us to new levels and new places we've never yet dreamed of. Father, I thank you that you can use others And we thank you that you can use others despite their past. That family member, that friend, that coworker, that neighbor that you can't can't stand. That they do this and that and they talk about this. God, you love them. And you still have a plan for them. Help break us free from judgment in our lives and in our hearts. So we can make space for you to move in and through us. To invite people into a loving relationship with your son. But the most powerful truth, Father, that we want to leave with today is this, that Father, you can use us despite our past. Just sit in that for a second. That no matter what you've done or where you've been or what you've said, God still loves you and he wants you just like he wanted Saul. This is my chosen vessel. He wants to choose. He's choosing you this morning and saying, you still got more in you. Your best chapters have yet to be written. Don't you put that period. I'm going to put a comma. Just trust in me. Put your faith in me. Lean into what I'm doing in your life and watch the places you can go and the things that you'll experience and the things that you will see. For so he says, I'm doing a new thing because you are made new in me. Father, we just thank you for the revelation of who you are and what you did for us. May we receive Jesus today in a fresh and new way. And may we move past the past and charge confidently forward into the bright future we have in you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, so be it. Praise God, there's hope in Christ.